Hey there, welcome to Beyond the Bikini podcast, where you can enhance your body and your mind. My name is Nicole Ferrier, exercise science grad, certified personal trainer, bikini competitor, and coach. On this podcast, you will learn more about my experience in the fitness industry, competing in bikini competitions, mental health, and how to gain more success in your own life in your fitness journey. So sit back, relax, or power through this cardio session and enjoy. Welcome back, guys, to another episode of Beyond the Bikini Radio, and I'm excited for today's guest. She is brand new to the pod. It is Ash Markham, and now I feel like I said your last name wrong. <laughs> no, you got it. You did good. Awesome. Well, thank you for hopping on today. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. We have a really nice topic planned. I know. This is going to be a really good topic for our female listeners, but why don't you take a moment and introduce yourself to our audience today? Yeah, absolutely. Well, like Nicole said, I am Ash Markham. I am owner of Myo Strength Training. Um, I am a bodybuilder and functional health coach, and I've been doing this for, gosh, almost six years now. Um, it doesn't feel that long because I used to be with a coaching company until I branched off on my own, but I've been doing this on my own specifically for um, two and a half years. And so I've you know, always been into health and fitness um, ever since I went off to college, I went to Ohio University, um, graduated at the top of my class with a bachelor's of science in exercise physiology. But although my main focus in studies was health, nutrition, and wellness, I actually started off um, morbidly obese. Um, I was over 250 pounds and was always like the fat kid in class, you know, really struggled with my weight, had, you know, kind of like a binge eating disorder type of coping mechanism when I was a small child, which obviously spiraled into obesity into like my later teens and really even mid teens. And when I got out of a really toxic relationship when I was 16, I felt broken and battered. And I essentially felt like I was nothing because I was told by this person that I was nothing and like no one would ever want me. And I believed that. And being so young, I didn't know what to do, but, you know, being influenced by the era of magazines, because back in like 2010, like social media wasn't, it was just kind of starting to happen. And so magazines were still like the thing, it was like magazines and Tumblr. And so I was like, oh, well, I, people with salads are thin and they're happy. So I was like, oh, I just need to lose weight. That's how I'll be happy. Like, that's how I'll, I'll make myself from nothing into something. And you know, tried all the fad diets. Like at the time, like Beyonce was doing that uh, cayenne pepper and maple syrup diet with lemon juice. I did that diet, did the cabbage soup diet, all the diets yo-yoed that a 16-year-old, 17-year-old could get her hands on. I did obviously up and down with the scale. And it wasn't until I downloaded my fitness pal and started to track what I was eating that it kind of made sense. And I did a lot of, you know, research on Google with nutrition, macros, and calories. And Essentially, I put two and two together. If I eat less and move more, I lose weight. Well, obviously, that's fine and all, but as a kid, and especially with someone who is very compulsive like I am, it can be taken too far. And so the more I lost weight, the more compliments I got. They're like, wow, you're looking really good. And so the next thing I know, I lost 25 pounds, 50 pounds, 75 pounds, 100 pounds. And in less than, in about a year, I had lost about 125 pounds, so half my body weight. And I was extremely skinny, extremely anorexic. I was exercising twice a day. I was going on hour long walks on top of going to school, on top of taking care of my mom who was severely handicapped, part-time jobs. Like, I don't know how I did it, but I did all of these things on top of maintaining a 4.0 GPA. 
but I was so broken. I was skinny. I was cold. You know, I had to do all this exercise. I wasn't eating anything and I was miserable, right? I was so miserable. And, you know, then that spiraled into a binge eating disorder with a like binge purge subtype. And so I would binge because my body was just so hungry for calories, but then I would feel so guilty for eating like anywhere from five to 10,000 calories in a sitting where I would go exercise for even more hours on end to burn it off. And it was just that toxic cycle, much like yo-yo dieting where, you know, nothing was really, nothing productive was happening. Um, flash forward to college, you know, getting into deep into my schooling and stuff like that. I started to drink more, you know, I, the binges had stopped thankfully once I put in a bit more body fat, but I still didn't have a good relationship with myself nor a good relationship with food. And alcohol did not help that, especially when you're drunk, trying to be a party girl. And then also like eating late night and eating not great foods. It was awful. And it honestly wasn't until, you know, I got out of college, out of that environment that I started to take my health more seriously. You know, I was a vegan for four years and, you know, that had its own issues with my health. And honestly, it wasn't even up until a year ago that I finally have a better relationship with my body and food to the point where I, I feel like I'm something like I am someone now and it's taken damn near a decade to get to that point. But I wanted to go into coaching and specifically the exercise, nutrition, and the mentality aspect, because I never wanted a young girl who was in my shoes to feel how I felt. I didn't want her to go through my health because it was awful. And I wouldn't wish that on anyone. And so that's kind of why I got into coaching is to help people. Probably the same reason why you got into coaching was to help people. Yeah. Uh, that's definitely a story. It's like a Skittles thing. You've like done everything, you know? <laughs> I know I've been 250 pounds. I've been anorexic at 125. I've done contest prep and I was even tinier when I did my contest prep. My leanest was 116. So like uh, my body has been every shape and size, you name it. I've probably done it. I've tried it. So I get it. But at the end of the day, like your body size is not going to what's make you happy. It's how you are thinking about yourself. It's how you're treating yourself. It's how you are creating and manifesting the life that you want to have. Mm -hmm. And I always say like here on my like podcast that we should never be chasing like numbers. We should be chasing like a look and we should be chasing health because, mm -hmm. you know, I, I still am actively competing. Um, I'm currently in an improvement season, but I can't reiterate enough that like bodybuilding is not the picture of health. And it takes a rare person to be able to like flip a switch of like understanding that too and understanding having an out like um, an end game to it too. Yeah. So, you know, I think we need to be realistic with what our goals are and trying to find that cheesy word of balance and whatever that might look like for you. I think that definition has a lot of nuance to it, but it sounds like you've been able to find like that healthy point for yourself. Now it's taken years. And I think a lot of yeah. people also think that they're going to be able to find this sweet spot for themselves in six weeks or eight weeks. And they're going to be able to undo years and years of poor habits and, you know, relationship with food, but it doesn't work like that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I just want to reiterate that I started when I was 16 and I'm not 26. So a decade, it was a decade in the making. This is not one of those like cheesy before and afters. Like it's constantly evolving, right? Like in this industry, especially as coaches, you know, you're showing your clients before and after photos, these transformation photos, and that's absolutely wonderful. 
but it's not just about the transformation. It's about the journey. And so many people are results focused, myself included, where we're not process oriented. We're not looking at like the day to day. We're looking at like, how quickly can I get from A to Z? And we're missing the entire alphabet. And you can create Mm -hmm. a lot of wonderful words and sentences and stories from using the entire alphabet. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I mean, it even makes me reflect on when I started my fitness journey and started competing, I told myself I'm going to be a pro before 25 and I'm now, (laughs) I'm now 27 and I'm not a pro. I've got a bunch of little trophies back there. I don't got a pro card, but my, and my coach reminded me, he's like, you know what, Nicole, when you do win your pro card, because you're resilient and you won't give up, it is going to be so much more meaningful than the girl that did it in two years. And I'm like, Mm -hmm. yeah. Like I will cry because I know that I poured my heart and soul into a goal. And I think a lot of people are also hesitant to like pour themselves into the process because they also have this like feeling of, well, what if I fail? Or it's hard to let go of like who you were for like what you will become as cheesy as that will sound, but you have to be open to trying new things and Mm -hmm. you'd be surprised like what could be on the other end of that. No, absolutely. I completely agree. I mean, like you, I've been in my improvement season since 2019 and I have much more growing to do and I'm excited for that. I'm embracing that because what the improvement season means is it means you get to improve. You get to put on muscle. You have extra time that you're not like, you know, doing hours of cardio. You're not like, you know, eating bird-sized portions of food to shred down for body fat. You have this excess energy. And so with that extra time and energy that I have, I'm exploring new hobbies. I'm getting back into baking and cooking. I'm starting a garden and these things are meant to be fun. And I might fail at the garden because I've never done them one to the scale that I'm trying it. And I might like literally kill everything, but it's all about the journey. It's not about the end result. If I get one freaking tomato, I don't know if I can cuss, but I'll I'll keep it PG. If I can get one freaking tomato, I'm going to be amped. Even if it tastes like crap, I'm going to be amped because I did that. Yeah, I did that. That's so fun. Um, one reason why I brought you on today, Ash, is to talk about menopause, perimenopause and aging and fitness, because I think a lot of women can get really disheartened with their progress. And I think a part of it too, is because like women were conditioned that we're like old after like 30 and I don't understand, um, mm-hmm. but you're not. So there's so many women that start their fitness journey later in life. Maybe that's in their forties, fifties, sixties, heck, even in their seventies, I've seen people do it. But one thing that us women will be going through is menopause. So do you yeah. want to talk a little bit more about some signs that maybe a woman should be looking out for that th- she might be approaching it? Yeah, I think it's really important to keep tabs of like internally how you're doing, like doing internal checks and kind of looking at your symptoms. Like a lot of women, I mean, you can start like menopause and in that perimenopausal window, starting at like 35. It does depend a lot on your genetics, environmental factors, like what happened to your mom, what happened to your grandma. So kind of keeping tabs on that, maybe even asking them about it, just so that way you can kind of start to, you know, start maybe a little symptom tracker yourself. But a lot of the times we'll see kind of like these vasomotor symptoms of having night sweats. Maybe you're having trouble sleeping. Like you used to be a great sleeper. And now you're like thinking of, oh, tomorrow I have to do groceries. I have to take James to baseball practice. Like the water bills do. And now your mind is racing at night. You might notice that like bouncing a wow wow time with hubby is painful. Like you might like 
not be enjoying it because you're not as well lubricated. You might just not want to bounce a kawawa with hubby because you just don't want to. Like your sex drive is crashing. You might notice that, you know, your belly fat is increasing, even though you're not really doing anything different. Like all of these things are kind of contributing due to these flux of hormones and this shift up and down in estrogen and progesterone. Um, another thing we also see is an increased anxiety. And that also kind of relates back to poor sleep, whether it's just poor sleep in general or those God forbid hot flashes, or as my mamma always called them a spell. She was like, oh, I'm having a spell. And she pulled, she would whip out this fan and just start fanning herself from her purse. And I remember that as a kid, whenever grandma was having a spell, you left grandma alone to fan herself because you didn't want to be around grandma when she was having a spell. So definitely a handful of symptoms here. And this is why it's so important to be collecting biofeedback because a lot of us will just go get into that routine of like, that's just the way I am. Well, yeah. no, yeah. It, it's not. And you want to really like try to use like free apps or journal or whatever you might need to do to keep tabs of things because it's very easy to overlook. Um, mm -hmm. And I think a lot of women were just like told to like deal with it. Like that's just the way yeah. it is, you know, like menopause is supposed to be a horrible experience, but maybe I'm optimistic. I feel like it doesn't have to be horrendous. Um, and I think a part of it too, is just having that awareness early on, on when you're starting to experience those symptoms. And I do feel yeah. bad for my clients when they're like 38 and like, you could be experiencing perimenopause. And they're like, what do you mean? Cause I don't think we're like educated on it at all. Yeah. Honestly, like not to be like all Sigmund Freud about it, but I think our problems with our bodies start when we are handed the little like pink book when we first start our period for the first time, right? We are not told that our body is this sexual, sensual thing. We are told once a month, Aunt Flo is going to come to visit. It's going to be awful. You're going to be bedridden. You're going to be cramping. You're going to be changing your tampon or maxi pad every hour. Like we are told to fear a natural response. And that starts when we're children, when we first get our first period and it goes until we hit menopause. And we we're supposed to dread menopause because of all the symptoms I mentioned, the weight gain, the night sweats, you know, the losing libido, you know, osteoporosis, we're going to lose like our va-va-voom and our, our vivacity. And it's one of those things where it's like, we need to stop fearing these natural processes. We need to mm -hmm. stop putting band-aids on things and start finding the root problem as to why maybe we have menstrual cycle regularity or why we're having a hellish menopause. Because I'm not saying menopause is going to be like rainbows and unicorn farts, but it shouldn't be something that we dread. It's something that we should bring awareness to and something that we can we should accept because you will find freedom and acceptance and you will embrace it much like an old friend not like someone that's a friend of me where you're dreading this visit because guess what sweetheart we're all gonna go through it like we can't avoid it it's not avoidable unless you pass away before that hits we don't want to pass away before that yeah. hits. like we want to live as long and healthy as we possibly can so instead of fearing something let's embrace it with open arms and see how we can make it the most enjoyable experience so one thing i wanted to bring up too is i've had women bring up their concerns to their doctor and let's say they're in their late 40s and something I've noticed is they'll put them on birth control to deal with some of these symptoms. So birth control is a hot topic right now and I want our listeners to understand that I'm not telling you to come off of birth control whatever you have to make a choice that's going to be right for you and your body and your relationship and something that you're comfortable with. 
However, I really don't think birth control is the answer to be dealing with these symptoms. If anything, it goes back to what you're saying of like putting a bandaid over it. Yeah, absolutely. There, it's always funny because menopause is signaling, uh, signaling kind of the end of your reproductive health. It is like your body's like, listen, we gave you, you know, 20 to 30 good years of childbearing years, retired, we've had enough. And so when doctors want to correct or suppress these hormones by putting them on birth control, which prevents ovulation and suppresses your natural hormones, it never really makes sense to me. It's like, if we want to play with hormones, rather than putting them on a synthetic estrogen and a synthetic progesterone to mimic your natural hormones, why not maybe consider HRT to make this transition much more applicable, have bioidentical hormones, and to help ease the symptoms. Or if you're not wanting to do HRT, then maybe seeing what diet, lifestyle, and other, other behavioral issues can we correct just to make this transition as fluid as possible. But rather than being put on, again, fake hormones, what can we do naturally first? Or can we support with HRT? And when I talk about HRT and menopause, women really freak out, right? Because mm -hmm. cancer, what about breast cancer? And there was this God awful study done called the Women's Health Initiative that one was not even studying breast cancer. It was actually studying cardiovascular disease. And they were using, you know, equine estrogen, which is horse estrogen and a progestin, the same progestin found in most, most birth controls, which again, progestins are not progesterone, which is your natural, you know, feminine hormone that your body produces. And so, you know, they had these, you know, outcomes where it was showing that it causes cancer when that couldn't be further from the truth. Um, so maybe HRT is something that you could discuss with your doctor as well to ease the symptoms and to keep your, you know, your juiciness, to keep your femininity, because these hormones that we make are there for a purpose. It's not just childbearing. It's, you know, cardiovascular protective. It's actually protective of breast cancer. It's protective of your brain function. It's protective of all these other things as well, including bone health. And so that's one of those things as well that we wanna look into and keep in mind when it comes to the female as she ages. Here on Beyond the Bikini, we talk a lot about training and nutrition. Trust me, it can be challenging to hit your fitness goals on your own. There is so much out there when it comes to working out, hitting your nutrition, and finding the plan that's right for you and your goals. Now, one thing that can make that a lot easier is hiring a coach and getting support towards your goals. I'm happy to say that I do offer online health and fitness coaching. I have plans that vary from support with training and nutrition and just your nutrition, and I even offer challenges throughout the year. If that sounds like something you're interested in, make sure you check out that description box down below. You can also find more details on my coaching services at NicoleFerrierFitness.com or even on Instagram at NicoleFerrierFitness. All right, now back to the episode. When it comes to testosterone, I've noticed that there's different types. We've got pellets, injectable, and lotion. I'm not a huge fan of lotions just because a lot of these women also have kids. And so a lot of times they're holding children and there can be some transfer going on. But what are your thoughts on like the different methods out there for HRT? Yeah. So when we're talking about HRT, um, let's start first start with estrogen. So estrogen, you can get, you know, an oral or you can get a vaginal. 
And that really just depends on, you know, what your insurance is willing to cover, what your doctor think is best for you. But before we even get on HRT, we need to make sure we do a proper screening. So that includes proper labs, maybe getting a Dutch test to see, you know, your metabolites and how your body is processing these estrogens, because we don't want to just slap on HRT and not do proper risk analysis. And this is something that you want to educate your client on, or even ask your doctor about when it comes to doing like a calcium scoring, look at lipids, all of these things, because they will change when you go on HRT. But going back to estrogen, we can do like an, you can do a uh, oral, you can do a vaginal, you can do creams, um, progesterone, the bioidentical progesterone. Again, you can do um, creams or you can do the oral route. And then testosterone, there's the creams, there's gels, there's pellets, there's injectables, and there's even trochies, which is like an oral thing that you kind of put sublingual under your tongue, where you can do just testosterone, or you can even do a testosterone and DHEA, which is another type of androgen hormone under the tongue. So the delivery method, unfortunately, does depend on like what your doctor thinks is best and what your insurance is willing to kind of go for. But yeah, I tend not to do topical creams unless it's like vaginal because you are wanting to think of kids, spouses, animals, like you don't want to be transferring hormones to other people or, you know, potentially missing out on your entire dosage because it gets rubbed off on your clothes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. I would imagine too, like just sweating, living in a hotter climate, like you would definitely be losing a lot. Exactly. Exactly. So yeah, especially if a woman is willing to inject using testosterone, like that's going to be really great. Like they're honestly, the insulin needles, insulin pens are not that bad. Like if you're, you know, when your baby gets vaccinated, when it's like, you know, just a few months old, I think you can like do a quick pin once a week of a really tiny needle just to like, you know, feel a little bit better and she'd have a sex drive. So I don't know about you, but like, I am excited for menopause and HRT because I want to be having freaky dicky sex with my husband when I'm like 90. Like, that's what I want to do. I want to be in the nursing home, like on rocking chairs, just going at it because like, I want that for myself, right? I want that for myself. Right, that's another thing though. I think just gets normalized is like, oh, well then as you get older, like the spark just dies in your relationship. And, you know, men go through their own host of issues too, which yeah. that's not what the podcast is for. This is mostly <laughs> for women. Um, but I feel like that's another thing that we've just accepted versus like, we have so much resources now and so much that we can do to like be preventative and also help aid and assist our bodies. Like, why not use it? Especially when it's natural, you know, like these are hormones that are naturally found in our body. Yeah, exactly. It's not something, like I said, that's not something to be afraid of, right? It's something to embrace, but you can only embrace it and accept it when you're educated as to what's going on with your body and also how to, you know, make this transition as, as seamlessly as possible with the right diet set up, the right training, you know, the right lifestyle behaviors, like all of these also matter. So it's not just like, oh, I can continue my, you know, cocktails with care and every single night and be on HRT and be totally fine. Like, again, we don't want to just use HRT as like a blanket for poor lifestyle factors either. Because like I said, when you go on HRT, how your body responds and metabolizes things will also change. And so you want to make sure that you are supplementing and supporting your natural bodily processes when considering something as, you know, as hefty as HRT. Yeah. And let's go through like some 
free ways we can help like support our yes. hormonal health and some things that we should be addressing. I think the number one with aging and osteoporosis, cause we don't have a cycle anymore, mm -hmm. which that's the one great thing of having a period, which no woman has ever told about is like, Hey, right. this is going to keep your bones healthy, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, but we want to be resistance training as we're aging and you don't have to be training like five, six times a week. No, it, like three times mm -hmm. a week can be plenty for you but you need to have resistance. And I do see a lot of like older people only doing like pool-based workouts because it feels good on their joints, but we still, mm -hmm. again, need that pooling. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, resistance training is going to be great for preserving, you know, bone mass and preserving muscle density because everyone is worried about osteoporosis, but no one really thinks about sarcopenia, which is muscle wasting, like losing muscles, losing strength. And a lot of the times when I am setting up maybe an older woman and she's really just concerned about cosmetics, and there's nothing wrong with that. Like you should feel confident in your skin. So if you want to lose weight, you know, that's totally fine. But I also challenge her to think bigger, right? It's like, okay, well, yes, you want, you know, the, the tummy fat to, to be a little bit less. I get you want to be more comfortable in your skin and your clothes, but what do you want the last decade of your life to look like? Like when you have grandchildren and great grandchildren, do you want to be like, hooked up to monitors? Do you want to be on a walker or do you want to be like on the ground playing Legos with them? Like, what mm -hmm. do your functionality want to be? And getting them to think of the bigger picture of, oh my gosh, I want to be able to get up out of a chair. I want to be able to go to the bathroom by myself. I want to be able to, you know, put a shirt on by myself, like getting them to think long-term can be really, really beneficial. So that way, they're not just in the pool doing, you know, water aerobics, which is absolutely wonderful, but they're also in the gym, not just using like the colored dumbbells. They're actually getting under a barbell. They're loading their spine. They're willing to deadlift. Like, even if it's not 400 pounds, like I'm not asking them to join the 1000 pound club as cool as that would be. I'm asking them to think long-term about their health and about their family because, you know, their family needs them and they need them to be as healthy as they possibly can be. Yeah. I mean, just the other day I saw a 96 year old deadlifting and she just had the barbell and 10 pound plates on, but I was like, wow, like that's awesome to see that versus yeah. what I used to see. Like when I, when I used to do in-person training years ago, it would really upset me just seeing, um, them only doing cardio, which I'm happy that they're doing anything, you know, anything is better than nothing. Let's, let's not get it twisted here, but right. it's like, you know, you don't just have to do cardio. Like you can lift. There's so many modifications that we can make for you that you can still get stronger. And even using, just starting with your body weight can be a great start and then mm -hmm. start getting more comfortable with, with the weights. And this is where if you're older and you're, you are struggling with lifting, hire an in-person trainer, get confident yeah. in the gym, have that support. So you don't get hurt. Absolutely. Or if you are working with an online coach, like hopefully your coach is asking for training videos, just yeah. not even necessarily from an intensity standpoint, just making sure you're lifting safely, right? Like that's really important, but you know, not even if your coach isn't asking for training videos, but sending them to them anyway, like, Hey, am I doing this exercise correctly? Because if you look like a darn candy cane doing deadlifts, no, I'm sorry. You're not doing deadlifts correctly. We're losing out on that benefit. And you have a higher percentage chance of getting hurt which if you get hurt, especially as you age and don't have that recoverability, you know, that's a whole other can of worms. Mm -hmm. I can just think of some older clients of mine sending their videos and they always feel so awkward doing it, but I tell them everybody records themselves now. So like, it's not as weird as it was 10 years ago. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, I, my mother-in-law actually 
And my mother-in-law is a wonderful example of embracing menopause. She did not go on HRT because her doctor would not prescribe her hormones because of the Women's Health Initiative. But this woman, as soon as her sons went off to college, what did she do? She went off to college. She went and got her master's degree at like 55 years old and started a brand new career. And now she is like in her early 60s, thriving. She hired me to help fix her gut and to lose a few pounds because obviously, you know, she did gain a little bit of weight as we typically do during menopause, but she's in the gym, absolutely crushing it, doing Bulgarian split squats, doing leg press squats with a barbell. I mean, she embraced menopause and yeah, she doesn't live the most perfect life. Like she still does enjoy the occasional gin and tonic, but she learned to cope and live her life differently to maintain her health because she wants to be a rocking kick-ass grandma when she's like, as she continues to age and she wants to be there for her husband and she wants to still work and climb ladders and decorate Christmas trees. Like that's what she identified when I asked her that question and she made it happen. So like go to my mother-in-law, like Barb is amazing. <laughs> Wait, her name's Barb. Her name is Barb, yeah. My mom's name's Barb. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. That's awesome. Okay, so let's talk about alcohol because you did bring up the gin and tonic, but I see a lot of overconsumption of alcohol, especially as a coping mechanism, which can be very unhealthy. And I think that there's a lot of justification out there where they're like, I'm just the wine mom, or I can't live my life without my wine. And we need to stop normalizing that and recognize like, hey, if we're stressed out, we need to find new coping mechanisms that don't involve alcohol because when it comes to drinking alcohol it doesn't do one single positive thing for you and I think a lot of people can get defensive and if that's you listening I'm talking to you like this is something you need to work on yeah it's defensive and they get defensive because it's the truth and it hurts right and we don't like our our abnormalities we don't like our insecurities picked at right so if we are using alcohol as a coping mechanism what you're trying to do is you're avoiding something like, and it's a, an avoidance strategy, much like, you know, you maybe thrill seeking or you maybe like, or overcompensating or are trying to avoid Nothing. something. Like if you're like, yeah, if you're like also like an avid reader, like something good, like reading, like is very, very good for you. But I can have, I have some people that all they do is read because they're avoiding the confrontation, the negativity in their life, but alcohol serves no purpose. Like I'm sorry, there's nothing beneficial. I mean, I'm not sorry. There's nothing beneficial about alcohol. All you are doing is you're compromising your liver health. You are actually increasing your risk of endometrial and breast cancer by drinking alcohol. And you're also drinking empty calories. And on top of that, you're also blunting your thyroid. So mm -hmm. that alcohol, that glass of wine that you need to have is the reason why you have a tire around your waist instead of a perky booty. And like, that's hard to accept and swallow, but it's the truth. And no one wants to hear that. Yeah. It's the reason why you're aging faster and your skin doesn't glow. It's the reason why your sleep sucks. It's the reason why even, I mean, I see alcohol starting fights in relationships because people act a little different when they get a little buzz and maybe they say things mm -hmm. they shouldn't be saying. So it's like, what is this, you know, solving for you? And we're not saying that you have to go cold Turkey right away because anything that is habitual, it's going to be hard to just stop instantly. You know, you have to know yourself and what's going to work for you, but mm -hmm. taper off and even replace that one glass of wine with like water. You could even do like a sparkling water, something flavored if you really need that. And mm -hmm. that can be a great step in the right direction because 
going into the next thing being sleep. I see women at this age also struggle with being in hustle mode. I've got kids, I've got a full-time job. I've got a husband, I got to be here and there, but I can't sleep. So I'm going to sleep four or five hours a night and that, that will work for me. Why is that bad? I mean, you repair, you do all of your house cleaning. Like you think about your body as a house, right? You like, you have to sweep, dust, like vacuum, mop, you know, make sure that things are orderly. So there's like no chaos. So you can function normally. Your body does all of that rest and repair when you're sleeping, when you're not like running around like a rabid dog, trying to like get your life in order. So it's important to make sure that we are sleeping. So your body has a chance to catch up, repair, to reset, right? Like we have this natural circadian rhythm where, you know, we are meant to sleep. So we have that melatonin secretion to have that good, great restful sleep. And then in the morning, we have our stress hormone get us up out of bed so we can be super mom and do all of the things. But if we're not sleeping enough, our body's not able to clean up after itself. And so not only are you going to have brain fog, not only are your hormones going to become more imbalanced, but you're not going to have the, the meant the energy, whether it's physical or mental to keep going. And so now your you know, your adrenal glands, the glands that are responsible for your stress response are now on full alert on top of already going through menopause, which they're already kind of working double time because your ovaries are not really like producing as much hormones as they were. So now the adrenal glands are starting to pick up and, you know, pick up the slack. And I don't want to say that they get tired, but they kind of get tired. And so then you get tired and then you get anxious and then you feel like you don't have enough energy. And then you start drinking more coffee and then you get really depressed because you're not really liking how you're feeling. Your body's changing. So then you drink alcohol to try to feel better. And it's just the cyclic cycle where you were just like breaking down. And so that's why we have to put like a stop to it and slowly start to peel back the layers of why you're not feeling good. And it starts with sleep. And then it starts mm-hmm. with proper nutrition and drinking more water and exercising not too much and not too little. So that way you have this harmonious symphony play while your body is adjusting to all these hormonal fluctuations. I think there's also things that we have to take accountability for with like our day-to-day life. Like there's ways to be more organized, to be more efficient throughout the day. So you can go to bed earlier. Cause I always hear, I can't get more than five hours a night. Mm-hmm. I bet if I were to look at your schedule, I would be able to save you some time. You know, maybe that's even hiring some services to help you out. Instacart, yeah. get your groceries delivered. If you can hire a cleaning service, hire, ask your friend to pick up your kid, you know? So there's ways that you can save time. So you Mm -hmm. can also make your health a priority because this is crucial. Like we overlook sleep. I think a lot of people, they, they wear that whole, like, oh, I I barely sleep. I'm just so busy, busy, busy. It's just words. Like you're not going to feel good. So what's the point of like living that way? Exactly. In those scenarios, I will be like, well, let me see your screen time because I will, I bet you I will find plenty of minutes to hours looking at your screen time. And two, if it's like, oh, I don't have the finances to support that because that is like a valid reason. Like some people's finances can't justify Instacart and, you know, in, in service stuff. But here's the deal. Let me look at your grocery bill and see how much you're spending on alcohol or see how much you're spending out per week or how many times you get your Frappa Dappuccino at Starbucks. I bet you that if you made yourself a priority and actually took yourself seriously and trusted yourself to make these changes, you could cut out all that nonsense and put it towards something that's going to help better your life. 
because all these mm-hmm. other things are again avoidance strategies they're poor coping mechanisms and you're not wanting to address the real dysfunction in your life which is hard to do like i have been there like you don't get to 250 pounds and not have like you know coping mechanism issues you don't become anorexic and not have coping mechanisms right that aren't like serving you so kind of the same deal it's willing to look yourself in the mirror be honest with yourself be vulnerable real with yourself and be like listen I am doing things that are not serving me. I am my own problem. So what can I do to start making this problem something that's now my strength and taking yourself and your, you know, your body, your health, your life much more seriously. So that way the last, you know, 40 to 60 years, depending on how much life you have left, you can make it count and you can make it worthwhile and enjoyable. Mm-hmm. Everybody hits a rock bottom at a different time in their life, you know? Yeah. And once you do, it it does make you really buckle down and take it seriously, but know that you can age gracefully and and have a different path in life too. Like looking at, if you are approaching menopause, you've probably had older parents or older siblings and you kind of see how their body's reacting. It doesn't have to be like that for you. Mm -hmm. I've seen some women who are in their sixties, seventies, and they're in amazing shape. They are vibrant. They are healthy. And it's because they take care of themselves and they're also in the gym. So those are like my inspiration. It's like, it doesn't have to go downhill, you know, like these women still look great. And not just that, their cognitive function, their articulate, they are on, you know, and I find people who are not walking enough, not getting sun exposure, not lifting, not eating high quality foods, pushing the alcohol, maybe even combining that with nicotine, um, because that was more popular with that generation, you know, they usually are a little bit slower and Mm -hmm. they almost seem like small things just require so much more effort. And I'm not trying to say that they're lazy. I'm just saying that they don't have the endurance of someone that is currently taking care of themselves. And I hear this, um, kind of going on a tangent here, you know, my husband and I, we don't have kids. We've talked about having kids maybe later, maybe in our late thirties. And people will say, well, don't you want to be a young mom? And I think, well, I know how to take care of myself. And I know through doing this, I can still be vibrant and young, even in my fifties and sixties. And so if I want to start later, that's fine. Absolutely. And like I said earlier in the podcast, like I'm 26 and I use, I have a thing with aging and death that like terrifies me. And so obviously that's why I do everything in my power to stay alive and stay healthy because it's a fear (laughs) that drives a lot of these decisions that I make. Um, I do enjoy taking care of myself. So it's not completely fear-based, but it started out being a fear. Now I just embrace it, but I used to fear turning 30 because I thought my life was over at 30 as a bikini athlete and bodybuilding. Oh my God. Some of the best physiques on stage are these mature muscle mommies that are like almost in their forties, but their physiques are bomb. Their muscle density is just drool worthy. Like this presentation, this flow, this like vibrance and lusciousness that they are able to present is because of their age. And Mm -hmm. now I'm like, yo, let's go. Like when am I turning 30? You know, like I want that mature physique. I want that mature mindset. I want that wisdom as well, because in your twenties, your life's a mess. You know, you're trying to figure out like who you are, what you want to do. By the time you get in your thirties, you kind of have stuff life figured out for the most part. And then obviously as you continue to age and mature even more so, 
So now yeah. I am no longer fearing 30. Like, yeah, I understand there's going to be some like aches and pains with like the body just aging, but I'm like, listen, it's going to happen. So rather than being scared of it, I might as well embrace it. Mm-hmm. Which I love that. I think a lot of us, we need to kind of be open and embrace it. And, you know, if you start your fitness journey in your twenties, you get the benefits of that muscle maturity. But even if you're going to start it later, the first year I find is the hardest, you know, most lessons are learned, but hire a coach to save that time and know that it's going to get better and better as you get older. It doesn't have to be super painful. Do I think my joints are going to be the way they were when I was 18? No, I can already tell that they're not, but that's okay. (laughs) They're probably better than where they would have been if I did nothing. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. I mean, shoot, like I said, going back to my mother-in-law, Barb, she started her fitness journey when she was like, early like late 50s early 60s she doesn't look like a bodybuilder but you better believe she looks a lot better than like all of her sisters she takes care Mm -hmm. of herself now like her hair grows her nails grow her skin tightened up like she's early 60s but she looks like she's in her 40s and she's had no work done no work done the only thing this woman has done is her hair dyed twice a year like, and she looks fantastic and she is climbing ladders. And I'm not talking about like little step ladders. I mean, where she goes to her school to work as a speech language pathologist, she is climbing like the eight, 10 foot ladders, hanging decorations that she made by hand. That is her quality of life. And it, she's killing it. So do not let some BS excuse of, oh, I'm too old to start, stop you from living your best life. Like, do not do that to yourself. And if you do, so let's say, you know, we're starting at like a heavier weight and maybe we've been carrying around this weight for five, 10 years. I think a lot of women get into the headspace of, well, fat loss just isn't possible after menopause or as I'm getting older. And I would say that they are so false on that because I've seen it, you know, with my clients, I'm sure you've seen it with your clients before. And I think a part of it is when we say that's just the way it is, that's just the way I am, you're going to believe it. And your actions are going to reflect that. But when you say, I can make progress, I can lose body fat, what's going to happen, you're going to start to lose body fat and make progress. And so I wouldn't say the big issue with fat loss is necessarily age, because I think a lot of people pull the whole metabolism slowing down. It's more so the, the compounding of all those poor habits And for some women, tons of chronic dieting and never like eating and fueling your body enough. Sure. That's going to make it a lot harder. And that's why we're putting such such an emphasis on creating healthier habits and then fueling your body enough. Exactly. It kind of goes back to prevention. Not that I'm saying you can prevent menopause, but prevention when it comes to creating better lifestyle habits and eating habits when you're younger. So that way you do have these good habits that you have built and can carry on the rest of your life. But a lot of the times it's just really being honest with yourself as to, are you eating properly? Are you living properly? Are you exercising the right amount for yourself? Like, yes. Does your thyroid slow down as you age. Absolutely. Like there's no one denying that. And unless you go on synthetic or you go on thyroid replacement, like your thyroid will slow down as you age. It happens, but it doesn't mean that you have to slow down, that you are automatically going to get fat. Like there are things that you can do to help yourself out, but you have to be real and honest about are your actions aligning with what it is you truly want, because you will talk yourself out of doing something far quicker than you would talk yourself into doing something. 
So if mm-hmm. you really want to change and honest to God change, get help. Ask, like hire a coach, like ask someone to help you. So that way you're not guessing, you're not overanalyzing anything and you have someone to take care of you. Because when you're going through menopause, you are taking care of your kids, your dog, your husband, maybe your grandkids. Like you are taking care of so many people. You need someone to take care of you. And there's no shame in that. Yeah. And I think a lot of it too is just re-education. You know, they were brought up with the poor magazines or articles on weight loss, poor role models too, on extreme diets. And that's really hard. Like I'm working with so many women who are like freaked out by the scale and they are super stressed when it comes to anything fitness related and they think they need to starve and be miserable. No, fitness does not have to be about that. And it shouldn't be about that. And there's a better way to go about things. There are tons of coaches out there that are you know, about this healthier approach that we don't believe in you suffering so much. And so mm-hmm. I think that that can be really intimidating, but when you have someone, a real human being too, cause I think it's different too, when you're just doing a program or an app. No, when yeah. you have like a real human being who can talk to you and be empathetic with you, it's going to be a lot easier than doing it alone. Yeah, absolutely. I could not agree more. Like whenever someone's like, Oh, I I'm, having a hard time with this program I cringe right I'm like I'm not a I'm not a program your coach like this is not like a set in stone thing this is like the ocean it's fluid right like you talk I talk we we work together as a team to figure out what's the best solution for you and I always talk to my clients about suffering because you were always going to suffer in life right as it is a very negative point of view but hear me out you are going to suffer if you do not take care of yourself. You're going to suffer with medical bills, poor health, low energy, low libido. You know, like I said, a tire around your waist. That's a form of suffering. A form of Another form of suffering, which is a more positive form of suffering, is taking care of yourself, going to the gym, like, you know, buying the right fruits and vegetables. Like that has its own suffering and its own cost reward component. It's what are you willing to suffer for? That for me really puts it into perspective for people because at the end of the day, time is going to go by regardless. And in my opinion, you can suffer for the right things that bring enjoyment and bring a positive aspect to your life, or you can choose to suffer in a poor way and continue to drink, continue to over diet and over exercise and, you know, hang out with a bunch of Karens that all they want to do is drink and talk crap about all the other Karens, you know, it's like, if that's how you want to live life, fine. If that's how you want to suffer, fine. That's not how I want to suffer. Yeah. I mean, it goes back to kind of the start of our conversation is menopause is unavoidable. We're all going to go through it, but what is avoidable is how you live your life. And if you want to live it in a negative way or live it in a way that's going to be about health and be about your purpose, you know, going back to your mother-in-law too. It's like, she knew her purpose. And I think a lot of us can tend to lose what our purpose is. Right. Or even once the kids grow up and they move out, it's like, Oh my gosh, that was my whole life. That was my purpose. Right. Mm -hmm. And our purpose does change throughout our life, but take time and analyze, like, what is your purpose in life? What do you want to get out of this? And that's going to help keep you motivated. Absolutely. Like for anyone woman listening to this, who is a mother, like one, God bless you. You're doing the Lord's work you are more than just the kids that you raise, like, especially when they fly the nest and you mourn that time, because it is a very hard time for a mother to see her children leave. Like it is a very difficult time. And that's something my mother-in-law struggled with. Like 
she would be in the kitchen with my husband when he was like, you know, just about to go off to college and she would start sobbing uncontrollably because he was the last one to leave. Here's the deal. They are now empty nesters and she is thriving. Like she's doing all of these things because she tried new things. She's in a woman's choir. She's a cricket like fiend, which I don't, it's like a little arts and crafts thing. Like she donates her time to the community. She tutors kids. She works a nine to five. Like she found another purpose in life. So just because your kids leave the nest, you are so much more than just their mother. Like find a new hobby, try new things. Be afraid to fail at something. Like just try something new because just because you hit menopause, just because your kids have left for college because you did your job as a parent does not mean your life is over. It is just beginning. So rather than being afraid of this new life that you now have to explore, embrace it with open arms and say, bring it on because you will thrive with that mentality. Yeah. And I'm even, I'm thinking like age 40, when some of this stuff can start to happen, going back to the age thing, you still got 20, 30, 40, maybe even 50 years, you got a whole lifetime plus, you know? So you get to discover yourself again. And that's, what's so great about life is like, you just get to see yourself change so much throughout your lifespan and it doesn't end here. You know, I I think every single year can bring new beginnings. Yo, every single day, every single second can bring new beginnings. Like it is just how you're willing to look at things and whether or not you're willing to address and change if you see a problem in your life. And that at the end of the day, it's up to you because you are in control of your life. You, I, I tell my clients the same three things whenever they're struggling. You can control three things. You can control what you consume, not just your nutrition, but I mean, like if you decide to consume the news, social media, IG scrolling, newspaper, like you control that consumption. You can control how you move your body. And that includes like, you know, going to the gym, walking around, cardio, who you're seeing, right? Like your environment, you can control where you go and you also control your attitude and your perception in life. And those three things are a lot. They are very heavy and they carry a lot of weight, which is why you need to be very careful about those things that you can control. Because if you don't control them, they will control you. And that's not a life worth living. Yeah, definitely. Well, Ash, where can people find you if they're wanting to get connected? Yeah, absolutely. So if you're interested in coaching, you can visit myostrengthtraining.com. That's M-Y-O and then strengthtraining.com. I'm also at the brunette bodybuilder on Instagram, but don't tell anyone this is a, this is a Nicole's exclusive podcast. I'm not actually a natural brunette. I'm actually blonde. Um, oh, no, we don't talk about that. I know <laughs> we don't talk about that. Cause I have dark features. My mom and dad both have brown hair, brown eyes, and I had blonde hair, blue eyes. And so I'm like, I don't want to think that my mom was like fooling around. Like I got to look like I am their kid. So I had, I did dye my hair brown, but it's a lot more fun being brunette in my opinion, but I'm yes at the brunette bodybuilder on Instagram. Ashley Markham is my name. I go by Ash, but just say hi. I'm very friendly. I love to educate. You know, I love to talk. So if you just want to talk about baking, gardening, whether or not you think I'm going to kill my garden, let me know. And we'll have a great conversation. And for anyone listening today, don't forget to share the podcast. You can always share it on Instagram story. I love seeing that and tag both Ash and I, and I will see you guys in the next episode. Thanks so much for having me, Nicole.